1972, Joey Gallo killed in Little Italy during dinner at Umberto's Clam House. They get there by violence, and often as not, they leave by violence. Between three and five million dollars in cash and valuables was taken from the Lufthansa cargo terminal out at Kennedy Airport. I can give you guys a half a million dollars a year without a problem. New York City is a war zone for mobsters and their targets. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Black Hand, an organized crime podcast. I'm your host, Bliss Grieve, and today we'll be talking about former Chicago outfit acting boss, Joseph Joey Doves Ayupa. Not only did Ayupa hold the position of acting boss for 15 years, but he also controlled the Cicero district of Chicago for 25 years and became a multi-millionaire by controlling vice throughout Cicero. But more than that, Ayupa is the definition of being a Cosa Nostra guy, a stand-up guy, whatever you want to call it. There were several points throughout his criminal career where he could have saved his ass completely just by giving up some information, but he never would. And that trait, along with the weight that he carried in the streets, were the main factors that led to him becoming boss. But without further ado, let's get right into the episode. Joseph John Ayupa was born on December 1st, 1907 in Melrose Park, a suburb of Chicago. He was the first child of 23-year-old Sam Ayupa and 21-year-old Rose Greco, who both immigrated to America from the Italian commune of Lascari in Palermo, Sicily. His father worked as a laborer to support the family. Joseph led a seemingly normal childhood until 1918 when at the age of 11, he would drop out of school and begin working as a gardener to help support his family. In 1922, Ayupa was employed by the Alming Greenhouse in Hillside, Illinois, and by 1925 he became a driver for the Midwest Cartage Company. That same year, boss of the Chicago outfit Johnny Torrio handed over control of the outfit to the notorious Al Capone, following an altercation between Torrio and members of the Northside gang including Jaime Weiss, Vincent Drucci, and Bugs Moran. Torrio would survive the attack and go on to live until the age of 75. And around this time, Ayupa started competing as a boxer for extra money under the name of Joey O'Brien, which would later become one of his most popular aliases. It was likely at this point that local members of the outfit saw that he was tough with his hands and decided to bring him around. He started out as a driver for heavyweight outfit member Tony Accardo, but he soon got hooked up with outfit mobster John E. Moore, aka Claude Maddox. Moore was a leader in the Circus Cafe gang that operated out of the Circus Cafe at 1857 West North Avenue in Chicago. Other infamous members of the gang included Machine Gun Jack McGurn and Tough Tony Capizio. The Circus Cafe gang was also one of the many farm teams for the mob. Moore himself had been involved in hits, bank robberies, extortion, and labor racketeering, and taught Ayupa the ins and outs of the life. Throughout the 1920s, Ayupa became an established figure in the criminal underworld of Cicero, Illinois, a suburb of Chicago. Before long, he graduated to operating several gambling establishments on behalf of the outfit in Cicero, including bookmaking clubs and underground casinos. In May, Al Capone and his bodyguard were arrested for carrying concealed weapons, and within 16 hours, both of them were sentenced to one year each. While Capone did his time, he assigned a triumvirate to run the outfit that included his right-hand man, Frank Nitti, as head of operations, Jake Guzik as head of administration, and Tony Accardo as head of enforcement. By 1930, Ayupa bought the Turf Lounge in Cicero, which would become his headquarters for several decades. He also became a partner in the Taylor Company, also in Cicero, which to outsiders was merely a furniture factory, but in reality, the company manufactured illegal slot machines. 
His fellow partners in the business were Raymond Johnson and outfit members Claude Moore and Robert Ansoni, who was a heavyweight in the gambling scene in Cicero, but would also become a close confidant to Ayupa. In the early 30s, Ayupa tried to make a little extra money on the side by supplying the Barker Carpus robbery gang with machine guns as well as hideout spots. But by 1931, Joey had met a 21-year-old girl named Angeline Zito, and on October 31st, 1931, they would marry in Melrose Park. Also in 1931, the outfit would face another change of power. In November, Al Capone would be sentenced to 11 years in prison for tax evasion. His right-hand man, Frank Nitti, would receive an 18-month stretch for the same crime. While Nitti was doing his time, another close friend of Capone, Paul Rica, served as acting boss, but when Nitti was released in March of 1932, Nitti would become Capone's official successor. However, Paul Rica was the real man in charge, a point that is still argued till this day. East Coast crime figures such as Lucky Luciano and Meyer Lansky would only deal with Rika, and he also frequently overruled Nitty's decisions. But one thing Nitty would do on his own would move the outfit more in the direction of labor racketeering and extortion. Nitty also allowed the outfit's head of enforcement, Tony Accardo, to establish his own crew. Accardo brought Ayupa as well as future outfit heavyweight Gus Alex into the crew. Accardo soon developed a variety of profitable rackets including gambling, loan sharking, bookmaking, extortion, as well as the distribution of untaxed alcohol and cigarettes. Since buying his first establishment, the Turf Lounge, Ayupa had come to own several more clubs including the Frolics and the Magic Lounge. He also began operating the town hotel in Cicero with Robert Ansoni. By December 30th, 1933, Joey Ayupa was listed as an official of Union Local 782, the Chauffeurs and Helpers Union, and was listed as one of 35 co-conspirators named in an indictment charging 17 people with racketeering. However, a mistrial was declared on November 22nd, 1934, and Ayupa would walk. But by 1935, Ayupa wasn't just a racketeer and small-time crew member, he had made a name for himself as an enforcer and expert bank robber for, for his mentor John Moore. And by this time, he was also a charter member of Local 450, the Bartenders Union, which was controlled by John Moore. On June 14, 1945, Joey Ayupa was arrested on suspicion of assault with intent to kill, but the case against him would eventually be dismissed. Later, in August of 1935, he was one of seven subjects being charged with various holdups of golfing clubs in Chicago. The men were questioned, but released shortly after. So by this point, Ayupa is a solid earner for the family, but also an enforcer who isn't afraid to show force on behalf of the outfit, which helped him quickly rise through the ranks. In 1943, many top members of the outfit were indicted for extorting the Hollywood film industry. Throughout most of the 30s until the indictment, members of the outfit extorted millions of dollars from the Hollywood film industry. At that time, five major studios not only produced most movies, but they distributed them in their own theaters. All these companies had to pay protection money to the outfit, or they would face union strikes. Members of the outfit indicted in the case included Frank Nitti, Louis Campagna, Paul Rica, and others. Other members of the outfit that were being indicted pressured Nitti to take full blame for the crimes because the idea was really his brainchild. Nitti, who was extremely claustrophobic, feared serving another prison term. So the day before he was scheduled to face a grand jury, Nitti committed suicide by gunshots at a rail yard in Riverside, Illinois. On December 30th, 1943, Nitti's co-conspirators, including Rico, were sentenced to 10 years each. Although he was serving time, Paul Rico took over control of the outfit and made Tony Accardo his underboss. And although Accardo operated as acting boss while Rico was away, nothing went down without Rico's say-so. And by 1945, Ayupa had become a powerhouse in his own right. He essentially controlled what was referred to as the Strip, which was the area between Cicero Avenue and 49th Avenue. The neighborhood of Cicero had been one of the highest earning districts for the outfit for decades, going all the way back to when Al Capone ran his headquarters out of this area. 
Ayupa came to control much of the gambling going on within the Strip, owning a plethora of different gambling establishments on the section of the Cermak Road that ran through Cicero. He ran books out of many of the businesses, but prostitution, slot machines, and various gaming activities also took place in nightclubs owned by Ayupa. In 1945, he was questioned by state's attorneys at his home in Cicero regarding his whereabouts during the time of a local murder. He was wanted for unlawful flight to avoid prosecution, but was never really charged with anything legitimate connected to the crime. In 1946, Ayupa was involved with outfit heavyweights Murray Humphreys and Jack Guzik in attempting to establish a wire service for bookmaking activities in the Chicago area. Ayupa was also smart in regards to the fact that he put large amounts of his money into real estate dealings using names of his various relatives and holding titles. Not only was he a big earner by this point, he was very well connected in the family. Associates of his included guys like Jack Guzik, Tony Accardo, and Ralph Capone. On January 25th, 1947, Al Capone died from internal bleeding. His funeral was held on February 4th and was a closed affair. The head of the Chicago Crime Commission reported that John Moore, Robert Ansoni, and Joey Ayupa were all pallbearers at the funeral. In 1947, Paul Rico was released from prison on parole, however, a condition of his parole was that he wasn't allowed to have any contact with mobsters, at which time, Accardo would step up as the official boss of the outfit, but he would share power with Rico, who essentially became a senior consultant. Under Accardo, the outfit moved into slot and vending machines, counterfeiting cigarette and liquor stamps, and expanding narcotic smuggling. By the 1950s, Ayupa had elevated himself to another level. According to the FBI, approximately 100 people visited the Turf Lounge every day, and on the evenings and weekends, the club had five games running as well as two dice tables and a roulette wheel. Ayupa also controlled a portion of the huge dice game operated in Cicero by outfit heavyweight Rocco Fischetti. However, on January 20th, 1951, Ayupa appeared before a Senate special committee led by Senator Estes Kefauver of Tennessee. Ayupa was described as a leading Chicago bookmaker and gambling equipment manufacturer. The committee also presented evidence that his bookmaking establishment at 4831 Cermak Road in Cicero handled $1.9 million or $11 million today in bets during 1947 alone. The committee also claimed that the owner of a company manufacturing gambling equipment complained that all dice and other gambling equipment sold in the Chicago area is sold exclusively by the Taylor Company, who Ayupa was a partner in. The owner also stated that he would not attempt to sell any gambling equipment because of the monopoly held by Ayupa and his partners. The owner also stated that he considered the Taylor Company to be one of the largest manufacturers of gambling equipment in the United States. It was also reported that Ayupa and his mentor John Moore were both multi-millionaires. Ayupa refused to answer any questions, not even about where he was born, how old he was, and whether he was married or not. Senator Kefauver called Ayupa, quote, the most contemptuous witness ever to appear before the committee. He was called to testify before the Senate subcommittee again in March and April of 1951 and would again refuse to answer any questions. After refusing to testify in April, he was held in contempt of court and in February of 1952 he was sentenced to a six-month jail sentence and a $1,000 fine. However, the verdict would be reversed by the Supreme Court. Also, as the 50s began, Rico started passing off more and more of the day-to-day -day operations of the outfit to Ocardo. And in 1952, Ayuba branched out into supporting bank robbery operations carried out by independent crews and also purchased cab companies in Chicago. The cabs owned by his companies were used to transport his illegal gambling machines. Ayupa, along with Murray Humphreys and Jack Guzik, were instrumental in establishing a wire service for bookmaking in the Chicago area. 
However, in October of 1954, Ayuba along with his business partners in the Taylor Company were arrested and charged with the interstate shipping of unregistered gambling devices. Also in 1954, he began running strip shows out of his clubs for extra money. In 1956, he purchased the Navajo Hills Golf and Country Club for $300,000 or $3 million today. On January 27, 1956, Ayupa and his co-defendants were sentenced to a year and a day and given a $1,000 fine. The reason some people are given a sentence of a year and a day is because no one with a sentence of less than a year is eligible for early release, so it's somewhat of a judicial gift. He began serving his sentence on June 3, 1957, and would be released in 1958. And really by the late 50s, he was a big mover and shaker in the Cicero gambling scene, but had so many other avenues of income. But in 1957, the outfit underwent their first slight change of leadership in the last 10 years. Tony Ricardo was facing heat from the IRS, which led to him making Sam Giancana, a rising star in the outfit, the new acting boss. But Giancana was really only boss by name. He served only as front boss for Tony Ricardo and Paul Rica, who still retained most of the power within the outfit. Ayupo was released on March 13, 1958, and immediately resumed control of the strip. By that time, Ayupa's business, the Taylor Company, had a net worth of $2.2 million, and his gambling operation running out of the town hotel was one of the largest in the Chicago area. Informants also claimed that he was running the largest poker games and horse betting parlors in Cook County out of the Turf Lounge. Ayupa was the syndicate's boss of gambling and vice in Cicero. On June 14, 1958, investigators for the Senate Select Committee attempted to serve a subpoena to Ayupa at his home on 4 Yorkshire Drive in Elmhurst, Illinois. However, Ayupa jumped into a 51 Ford and sped out of the driveway and would have ran over one of the investigators if he wouldn't have jumped out of the way. And even though Ayupa was a huge earner for the outfit, who would never talk, he still wasn't given any real power within the organization. But regardless of that fact, Ayupa was seen regularly visiting Sam Giancana at the Armory restaurant in Melrose Park. However, in October of 1960, at the age of 53, Ayupa suffered a severe heart attack and would be bedridden in the hospital for at least a month, at which point he was discharged and finished out his recovery at home. In July of 1961, an article in the Chicago Daily Tribune indicated the U.S. Marshal's office was searching for Ayupa to serve him a subpoena to appear before a Senate subcommittee. The article described Ayupa as one of the foremost manufacturers of crooked gambling equipment sold to casinos across the country. The Taylor Company, which Ayupa was a partner in, is described as a main line of supply for gambling houses. The company has a stock of regular crap tables, roulette wheels, and dice. The article also claimed the company operated a brisk business in the sale of gimmicked gambling equipment. Crooked dice sold for $260 a pair and were sold in sums of more than $300 at a time. But by August of 1961, Ayupa had evaded the committee so long that they decided to cease efforts into locating him, which I can't tell you how rare that is. Also, by 1961, Ayupa had taken a young hoodlum named Anthony Ortenzi under his wing. Ortenzi was considered a mathematical genius and a rising star in the outfit, and by this time was Ayupa's right-hand man. Ayupa made him president of the Turf Lounge, as well as his personal bookkeeper. However, in late 1961, United States Marshals were finally able to find Ayupa and serve him a subpoena to appear before the Senate subcommittee, who wanted to question him about vice, call girl operations, and gambling. Other outfit mobsters such as Joey Little Caesar DeVarco and Jimmy Monk Allegretti, who were both bosses of Vice in the North Side, were served with subpoenas to appear before the subcommittee on the same day as Ayupa. 
By 1962, Ayupa was a powerhouse in labor racketeering. He controlled Local 450, the Bartenders and Restaurant Employees Union, and was also associated with the American Guild of Variety Artists, a union that represented artists and stage managers who kicked up money to the outfit through Ayupa and James Allegretti. On June 15, 1962, he appeared before the Senate Rackets Committee in Washington, D.C. Ayupa invoked the Fifth Amendment to answer every question except those pertaining to his name and address. He was questioned mostly on the, quote, alleged crime syndicate domination of the American Guild of Variety Artists Union. The chief inspector of Cook County supplied the committee with an affidavit that described Ayupa as a notorious hoodlum and gangster who, who operated three nightclubs in Cicero, the Frolics, the Magic Lounge, and the Turf Lounge. Also in the affidavit, the chief inspector described the nightclubs as, quote, the worst kind of strip joints were lewd and obscene dancing, stripping to complete nudity, prostitution, and every kind of immorality and public decency have flourished without interference from Cicero authorities. On August 14, 1962, the Magic Lounge and the Frolics were ordered to shut down on vice charges. Unfortunately for Ayupa, on October 2, 1962, while he was returning from a hunting trip in Kansas, he was stopped and his car was searched, at which point federal game agents of the Fish and Wildlife Service found he had 500 doves in his possession. He was arrested under violation of the Migratory Bird Act, which made it illegal to possess more than 24 doves outside of hunting season. He was arraigned and released on bail the same day. In late 1962, Ayupa was sentenced to a three-month prison sentence and a $1,000 fine. The entire situation is what garnered him his infamous nickname, Joey Doves. Once released, Ayupa resumed his stranglehold on the gambling and vice operations in Cicero and would continue to do so for the rest of the 60s. In June of 1965, Sam Giancana was jailed for refusing to testify before a Senate committee on organized crime. He would serve about a year in jail, but by the time he was released in 1966, Tony Accardo and Paul Rica had become tired of seeing Giancana's face in the daily newspapers and basically ostracized him from the outfit, at which point he fled to Mexico. After Giancana's exile, a close associate of his named Samuel Battaglia would take over as front boss for Rica and Accardo. But it wouldn't last long, as in 1967, Battaglia was convicted of violating the Hobbs Act for obstructing interstate commerce by attempting or executing a robbery and was sentenced to 15 years in prison. At which point, Giancana's former underboss named Felix Milwaukee Phil Aldericio took over as front boss, but wasn't very popular with the rank and file of the outfit, and after a short four years as boss, Aldericio was convicted of extortion and sent to USP Marion in 1971, where he would die from natural causes at the age of 59. And after being a heavyweight in the outfit for the last two decades, Ayupa would be appointed to, to the position of acting boss under Tony Accardo and Paul Rica, a position he would hold for the next 15 years. The FBI alleged his fortune by this point was in the tens of millions. Unfortunately, in 1972, age caught up to Paul Rica at the age of 74 when he would pass away from a heart attack leaving Tony Accardo as the absolute head of the outfit. And for the next 20 years, Accardo pushed the outfit forward and it went through a golden era of business and profit. It's alleged that Ayupa was involved in the decision to kill Sam Giancana in 1975. In 1975, Sam Giancana was extradited from Mexico to testify before a Senate committee investigating the Mafia's involvement in a failed CIA plot to assassinate Fidel Castro. On June 19, 1975, Giancana was shot several times while cooking dinner in his basement. There's hundreds of theories as to who killed Giancana, but no one has ever been arrested for the murder. The FBI suspect that the outfit killed Giancana because he refused to share his offshore gambling profits from Mexico. Giancana allies such as Johnny Rosselli were also killed around the time of his death. 
Under Ayupa, the outfit grew stronger ties to the Las Vegas casinos, and by the 1950s, the outfit had joined the New York Mafia families in Las Vegas. The outfit purchased four casinos through the Argent Corporation headed by Alan Glick. The Argent Corporation loaned millions of dollars through the Teamsters Pension Fund, which they used to buy the Stardust, Fremont, Hacienda, and Marina casinos. After the casinos were purchased, Glick was ordered to install Frank Lefty Rosenthal in a management position at the Argent Corporation. From this position, Rosenthal ran the casinos. And by the 1970s, the outfit, along with the Kansas City, Milwaukee, and Cleveland Mafia families, participated in the skimming of five Las Vegas casinos. The outfit sent Anthony Spilatro to protect the mob's investment and oversee Lefty Rosenthal. Money was being taken directly from casino account rooms and sent back by courier to the families. Unfortunately, in 1983, Ayupa and a host of other gangsters were indicted on charges alleging that they skimmed millions of dollars from the four Argent-controlled casinos. These charges were largely a result of informants like Lefty Rosenthal, Joseph Augusto, and Frank Culotta. In the spring of 1986, at the age of 79, Ayupa was found guilty and sentenced to 28 and a half years for racketeering and given a $80,000 fine. But in 1986, it's alleged that Ayupa is the one that ordered the hit on Anthony Spilatro and his brother Michael for bringing so much heat on the Las Vegas casino operation, reportedly saying, quote, I don't care how you do it. Get him. I want him out. Anthony and his brother Michael disappeared on June 14, 1986, and were reported missing two days later by Michael's wife, Anne. On June 22nd, their bodies were found one on top of the other, buried in a cornfield near Enos, Indiana, only five miles away from property that Ayupa owned in Morocco, Indiana. A member of the outfit named Nicholas Calabrese would later testify that the Spilatro brothers went to a basement in Bensonville, Indiana, where the two thought Michael would be inducted into the outfit. Ten men, including outfit monsters such as Samuel Carlisi, Joseph Ariola, and future boss James Marcello were waiting for them. A forensic pathologist later testified the brothers died as a result of multiple blunt trauma injuries to the head, neck, and chest, most likely the result of punches and kicks that resulted in them choking on their own blood. No arrest for the murders would be made until 2005. When Ayupa was finally sent away, he chose former top enforcer to Sam Giancana, named Joseph Ariola, to become the new acting boss. After serving nearly 10 years of his sentence, Ayupo was released on January 19, 1996 at the age of 89 due to his declining health. By this time, he was suffering from throat cancer and heart disease. Sadly, soon after being released, he would die from natural causes on February 22, 1997 at Elmhurst Memorial Hospital in Illinois and was buried at the Queen of Heaven Cemetery in Hillside, Illinois. Other mobsters such as Tony Accardo, Paul Rico, Sam DiStefano, and Sam Vitalia are also buried there. However, Ayupa's legacy lives on in the 1995 Scorsese film Casino, where he's played by actor Remo Gaggi. But that's really all I have for you guys today in terms of the biography, but I did want to touch on another point really quick. I'm sure there will be some shorter episodes like this one in the future, just due to the fact that there are some super interesting people out there who maybe there's just not a ton out there about. And to supplement that, I'd like to start doing some Q&As before we start the biography, so if any of you guys have questions pertaining to organized crime and would like it to be answered on the show, go follow the podcast Twitter page at the Black Hand Pod. And when we get a couple of followers on the Twitter, I'll start posting polls, questions, prompts, and just some fun facts about organized crime. But with that being said, I hope you all thoroughly enjoyed today's show and tune back in next Wednesday for the fourth episode on the mob's unofficial king of boxing, Frankie Carbo, who had his hand in an unimaginable amount of big-time fights throughout the 1950s. I hope everyone has a great rest of their day. This is your host, Bliss Grieve, signing out. <laughs>